Peace, hope, joy, and love. Today, on the Central Baptist Church Victoria podcast, we reflect on how these main themes of the Advent season bring meaning to our everyday lives. And now, today's message. Let me ask you to think about this this Advent Sunday. Do you have a decision or some action that you are aware of that God wants you to do over this Christmas season? But frankly, to be honest, it's way out of your comfort zone. It's beyond what you've ever done before. And you're worried. You almost feel paralyzed. You keep pushing it away. Even afraid to take that step. Does that relate to any of you? Is that where you are? So think about that. Keep that in the back of your head. I've often thought that one of the primary differences between a, just an ordinary story and a really good story is that you read the really good story more than once. Children and grandchildren understand that. That's why they bring you the same book over and over again. Some years ago, I was babysitting and a book was dropped into my lap by one of our grandchildren. Read. It's the instruction. I looked down at the book and it was the same story that we had read countless times. And I was wanting to watch Jeopardy, which was just coming up on television in a few minutes. By the way, just a little segue. I watched Jeopardy a couple of weeks ago. It was the Tournament of Champions. Boy, those guys are smart. They really are. And I got one question right in the whole night. The main category title was numbers. And all of the answers related to numbers. The question was, or how they put the statement, the number of nights that Jesus spent in the wilderness. I knew the answer to that. I was so pleased. Anyway, back to reading to our grandchild. So I did what any reasonable, intelligent, mature adult would do. I skipped bits. I summarized to get fast to the end. It's kind of the Reader's Digest version of the story. Anybody would do that. Thinking to myself, they'll never know because they can't read. And then this little cherubic face looked up at me. And I was very quickly told, Grandpa, you're not reading all the words. The Christmas story is one of the best stories ever written. Do you know that? We find it mostly in Matthew and Luke. And it did not begin once upon a time. It begins in the days of Caesar Augustus. That's the Bible's way of telling us that it is rooted in history. It's not rooted in our imagination. So I just will encourage you, read it again this Christmas season. The whole story. Read it as a family. Read it to children and grandchildren. Read it yourself. And please remember, you have got to read all the words. One of my favorite authors, I have several of her books, and uh, I read it again and again. I shared this, um, who this person is with the young adults a couple of Sunday nights ago. She's a lady called Elizabeth O'Connor. Not very well known, But I love her way with words and her way with ideas. And in one of her books, she talks about how our lives are on two journeys. 
She says there's an outward journey. That's where we know the dates and the details of where we lived and the jobs we had and the name of the spouse that we're married and so on. And the outward journey is all of the physical details in life. But then Elizabeth, Elizabeth O'Connor says thoughtfully, there is also an inward journey. That's the journey of the heart. It is the journey of our spirit. It's where we are, have traveled and where we are traveling in our inner life. Now, both journeys are important. They kind of dance with each other, as it were. Usually when we ask people um, about their lives, we're all, only asking about the outward journey. Tell me what you do. Tell me where you've come from. Because I think that's all we know really how to do. We also need to learn to ask them about their inward journey. When I talk with people about where they are in their relationship with God, I often use words like journey or words like pilgrimage. Those two words for me are, are really good words to describe the inward journey again. So this morning, I'd like you to take a few minutes and journey with me to Bethlehem with two people. Bethlehem is both a physical journey, but it's also a spiritual journey. And we have to walk both journeys. We're not alone in this journey. We're traveling with two other people, our traveling companions. Our guides are a young couple. Do you know their names? She is pregnant. Actually, she's very pregnant. Their names are Mary and Joseph. And although they're on the same physical journey, which means they're traveling together to the same place, the inward journey that each of them is on is different about what they've got to go through to get there. The outward journey takes them some 80 miles or so from, from their own hometown. And they go there because some Roman bureaucrat called Caesar Augustus has ordered a census. And so you, obviously you can't do it online 2,000 years ago. And instead of people coming to your home with a big notepad, you got to go back to your own hometown. It's the last thing they've wanted to think about, especially in Mary's condition. They don't have a choice. But remember, this journey is not only a physical journey. It's also an inward journey. Let me tell you about Mary. A little bit of our life. Like most girls in our village, she was engaged at an early age. And babies soon followed. It really was something of a disgrace to be left unmarried. She was engaged to someone that everyone said was a really nice young man. He had his own business, not large, just a small carpenter shop behind his house. But he always paid his bills on time. He always did good work. He had a good reputation and the furniture he made was sought after. Then one day all of her life changed and a different inward journey begins for her. An angel comes to her, and like most people, like most of us, she's never seen or experienced an angel before, and the angel's message is unbelievable. She is going to have a baby, a baby! And he would be the child of the Most High God. A thousand questions and contradictions rise in her mind. That's not possible. She'd never had sex with Joseph or any man. 
She'd never seen a man naked. Well, she'd bathed her little brother, but that was different. He just was a little boy. So this news is unthinkable, unimaginable, unbelievable. But the angel says to her, don't be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you will call him Jesus, Yeshua. He will be great and called the Son of the Most High, and the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. How will this be? Mary asked the angel. Since I'm a virgin. But the angel goes on. The Holy Spirit will come upon you and you will bear the Son of God and he will reign over the house of Jacob and his kingdom forever. The question so goes round and round in her head. How can this be? How can this be? And the angel eventually says, nothing is impossible with God. God was asking something unique from Mary. Something that I think only a woman can fully understand. Something that only a woman can offer. God was asking permission to use her body. To use her womb. That dark, intimate place that belonged only to her. God was asking permission to use her womb to be the human cradle that would carry the Son of God for nine months and then push him out into the world. That's why John writes in his gospel, the word became flesh. Can you imagine that without thinking, her, her hand just drops to her tummy and she starts to rub it? She was starting to imagine what it would feel like as it started to swell and she would feel the baby move and turn inside her. Even though this conception was anything but normal. As Isaiah says, a virgin, a virgin will bear a child. I think we need to assume that Mary had a normal pregnancy. Nine months. Perhaps there was also that bothering, fatiguing stage that many of you women would know of morning sickness. She felt her back become heavy and sore. As the months wore on, she couldn't bend down to untie her sandals. Life just became uncomfortable. The stories and the gossip about her strange pregnancy had long died down. People in the village had new things to gossip and tittle-tattle about. But there's no prenatal checkups. There's no clinics for expectant mothers. There's no Lamaze classes for couples to attend together to help with those breathing exercises. Remember going to those together? And then a nuisance of a command comes. A census. Who in their right mind would order a census? And you couldn't go anywhere. You got to go back to your own town. And so Joseph is commanded to go back to Bethlehem. Perhaps he tried to get some kind of exemption. After all, look at his wife's condition. There's no exceptions. Everybody has to go. There's a serious penalty if you ignored the order. So she's on this outward journey to Bethlehem. Her tummy getting a bit larger each day. Every bump in the road gets more painful. 
Each day she just feels more and more uncomfortable. It's about a four-day trip under the best of travel conditions. And perhaps as the darkness just started to fall and the lights of Bethlehem are just in sight, Mary feels that first sharp pain. There'd been other pains she'd felt, but, but not like anything else. This was different from anything. She instinctively held her swollen tummy and took a deep breath as the, the first wave of sharp pain came and she cried out, Joseph, Joseph! We'll soon be there, Mary. Just hang on. He had no idea that you can't tell a woman about to give birth to hang on. He's kind of in the race against the stork, as we would say, and he was losing because babies tend not to wait. Then there's the whole bit about no room in the inn and all that. You know that part of the story. Finally, when they get settled into whatever's left, the stable, that's all. A local woman is called for. She actually is the local midwife. She's delivered more babies in the town than anyone else. And every time a baby is due, she's called for. There's no doctor trained in obstetrics. No sterile delivery room. Somewhere in the midst of scratchy hay and the pungent smell of fresh manure. A baby is about to be born. And as things get closer and closer, Joseph, like every man, is ordered out of the room. Go, go. His presence would only be a nuisance. After all, he was a man. He would only get in the road and wouldn't have a clue about what to do. I remember when Harriet was in labor and delivery with our third child. We had two boys, and now another one's coming. I remember... <laughs> In the delivery room, a nurse said to me, Mr. Cowan, if you start to feel uncomfortable, now I've been in hospital enough times to know what that means. It means you're either going to throw up or you're going to faint. One of those two. Mr. Cowan, if you start to feel uncomfortable, please don't fall forward across your wife. but would you please fall backwards? That really encourages you a whole bunch. And I will tell you, I didn't either. I didn't throw up. I didn't faint. But in a little while, when the nurse handed me this squishy, red little bundle of life and said, here's your daughter. Can I tell you, I just cried. I just cried. It was just so great. Babies have always arrived the same way, born in the midst of pain and mess and blood. And probably, I think we have to say, so was Jesus. Mary knew nothing of what lay ahead of her, what it would be like to raise this unique son. And in 30 years or so, she would find herself standing, weeping at the foot of the cross. She could not bear to look up at him anymore. Tears racked every inch of her body. Her pain was much greater than the pain of childbirth. She felt as though her entire life came to an end at that moment, and she did not think she would be able to go on living. She was at the beginning of another journey that would change her entire life. That's her story for 
another time. Let me go back to our question. I think each of us comes to moments like that. God asks something of us that's beyond our knowledge, beyond what is normal, something that will require more faith than we've ever known to trust in him. And we ask, how can this be? How can this work out? And we may not understand. We may not know how it all will work out. We cannot see the road ahead. All we're asked to do at that moment is to trust what God is asking us to do. Perhaps that's where you are in some way this Christmas season. But there's another person in this story, in this drama to think about. I think often forgotten and often overlooked. It's Joseph. So men, let's be honest. You're engaged to a lovely girl. Your parents are delighted. They think she's just right for you. And in a way that cuts across all of the norms of our culture and no matter what everyone else is doing and saying, you've never had sex with her. That's not easy. No matter the century or the culture in which we live, it is a sacred moment that you've both committed for your wedding night. And then one evening, she comes to you after work and you, usually you go for a walk together at the end of the day. And she says to you, Joseph, I don't know how to tell you this, but I'm going to have a baby. There's a moment of silence. It's deafening silence. Joseph's face fills with unbelief, anger. For a moment, he can hardly speak, and then he, he blurts out, a baby? How can that happen? Sometimes men say the dumbest things. Are you sure? She nods because she knows the signs, her eyes filled with tears, unable to look at him. But he says, there's anger there. If you're betrayed, revenge, tell me who it is and I'll get him. Shame, what will everyone say? All my friends will be talking behind my back. Do you expect me to believe that? Is that the best story you could come up with? So Joseph perhaps storms off. He's angry, upset, bewildered. He also is asking himself, how can this be? He walks away and he leaves her crying. So just as an angel had come to Mary to explain things to her, so in the scriptures, an angel comes to Joseph to explain things to him, to help him understand what God is doing. You see, angels are usually used to explain things to us, what God is up to in our lives. The angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife. What is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She'll give birth to a son. You are to give him the name Jesus, Yeshua from the Old Testament, because he will save his people from their sins. The human solution is to put Mary in this whole situation behind him. Let's just kind of quietly get rid of her. But God asks him to see it through. Let me talk to us men for a moment on this Christmas season and try to understand the heart, the inner journey of Joseph. 
I think, guys, if we're honest, most of us men find this spiritual stuff and any talk about a relationship with God, I think we often find it harder for us guys than it is for women. I'm not sure why that is. Maybe a lot of it's just to do with the way we're wired, our maleness. From a lot of years of being a pastor, women generally, generally, find it easier to relate to a spiritual dimension in their lives than most men seem to be able to do. As men, we think we have to be in control. We're the ones who are in charge. We know how to fix things. We've got tools in our garage that do that. Or we think we do. We're the ones who are supposed to have all of the answers. Or we think we do. And so when it comes to dealing with God and relating to God, we're generally slower, we're more unwilling, we're more hesitant than most women are. I have found that men often find it harder to be open to God. We find it harder to be vulnerable because we want to appear strong rather than weak. We want to appear in charge rather than helpless. And suddenly we find with God that we are not in charge. We don't have all the answers. In fact, we are helpless and we don't like that. So the inward pilgrimage for men often takes a different route for us guys than it does for women. And one of the tight corners, I think, guys, that we have to get around in our journey with God is just our maleness. It is to surrender our desire for control. We need to be in charge. We need to have all the answers. You see, the Christmas story for men is also about some new thing that God may want to do in our lives. Even though we may not understand all that's taking place, we are also asking, how can this be? It's about being gentle rather than trying to appear tough. It's about being vulnerable than trying to appear as though we've somehow got it all together. And our journey with God takes us farther when we realize that there's nothing unmanly, there's nothing unmasculine about God allowing God to come before us and to direct our lives. So you see, in the Bethlehem journey, both Mary and Joseph actually discover the same thing in their lives. It's this. It's the willingness to allow God to speak to them about what he wants them to do and the courage to allow him to do it when we're faced with mystery. And we're both asking, how can this be? You see, in the final analysis, Mary and Joseph have to come to the same place of peace and trust. For Mary... It is the willingness to surrender her body. For Joseph, it's the willingness to surrender his male ego to God. And when they do this, now they're on the same inward journey. Peace has joined hands with them. Got that? Both of them have an angel to visit them and say, don't be afraid. 
And both of them come to peace, which is allowing God to take them on this inner journey that they've never been on before. The gift of God's peace sends fear scurrying away and allows them to come to the peace that they'll need to face life. So let's go back to your question. What about you this Christmas? Is there some outer journey that God's calling you to take? Maybe a new job? Or a move? And you're having to move beyond your comfort zone, something new and risky. What if God and one of his angels came to you and said this Christmas season, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Is God wanting to make some journey, some change in you that involves your inner journey? Is he wanting you and asking you to move beyond what is safe and comfortable in your heart? And you're afraid. You've never taken this step before. And the message of Christmas to you is don't be afraid. Because God's gift of peace means that we can step forward into some experience where we've never taken before. Peace is God's gift to dispel the fear that paralyzes you, to give you confidence, to encourage you to take the step, to put fear and hesitation aside and holding on to the gift of peace. You can trust God. God's peace pushes worry back, away from us, so that we're not paralyzed and we can get on with the work. See, I really believe that, that work does not paralyze us. Work may be hard, but it's challenging. We can roll up our sleeves and we get into the. It is worry that paralyzes us. But peace stifles worry. God's gift of peace this Christmas season is not the invitation just to sit back and relax and eat more nuts or something. Rather, it is the encouragement that we can move forward into new, unfamiliar territory that God has ahead for us. And we do not need to be afraid. So this Christmas season, what does it mean if you can imagine that this morning that you come up and you light a candle of peace in your heart and in your life? And you go on the inward journey that God is calling you to. And don't worry. God has given you the gift of peace. Our Father, this morning, if we could imagine even for a moment what was going on inside the hearts of Mary and Joseph. Worry, questions, hesitation. He realized that sometimes we're in exactly the same space. We meet this Christmas season. And an angel comes and says, don't worry. This is God at work. So Father, whatever is asking us to step beyond our comfort zone this Christmas season. May we take that step boldly, with confidence, without fear, because this Christmas season, you've given to us the gift of peace on our way to Bethlehem. Thank you. May your peace descend upon us be honest with yourself for just a moment. 
Is there something paralyzing you? Something that's wanting you to move out of your comfort zone and you just, man, you just can't get there. Maybe if you prayed with someone this morning, it might help to know God's peace. Some folk are here this morning, the end of the service, to do that for you and with you. Don't be afraid. God is with you. God's peace is here. Next Sunday morning, we're sharing communion together. We'll light the candle of hope, reminding us that we live and walk between two advents. The first one, 2,000 years ago. The second one, we're waiting for. We're waiting for. And we come to communion to remember that. And so let the peace of Christ rule in our hearts. Since we're members of one body, this body, the church, and we're called to peace. To peace, not a worry, to peace. This day and this week, be thankful. Okay? God bless you. Good morning. If you were encouraged by today's message, be sure to rate us and hit subscribe wherever you get your podcast. Thanks for listening to the Central Baptist Podcast.